0: Welcome in to 2 for 1 Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of 2 for 1 Drafts, a Rookies and Prospects podcast. Going to look at some of the latest storylines, including Nick Casario, Devontae Smith. We're also going to do our awards for the year. Mike and I's awards for the year. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. We're also going to dive into MVP, Coach of the Year, and do some of the opposite. Least Valuable Player, Worst Coach of the Year. Talk about some of that. Have some fun with that. Let's get it. PFF and Action Pro are teaming up. Subscribe to PFF's Elite Annual Subscription using promo code ACTION to receive a year of Elite Subscription access and one year, 365 days of Action Pro subscription access for just $199.99. Action Pro is Action Network's premium subscription offering, tailor-made to make avid and new betters better. This is a limited-time offer that is currently only made available now through the Super Bowl. This offer only applies to first-time Elite Annual Subscribers. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But However difficult these questions may be, Western Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated Endorser, products issued by member companies of Western Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. All right, Mike, we have to address the elephant in the room. If you're watching on YouTube, you have Coors Edge. Tell the people who didn't listen to the Monday podcast episode why we have Coors Edge on the table. Yeah, I'm
1: doing dry January, and I just wanted to try them just to see because... So Coors Edge is their non-alcoholic version. Yeah, the non-alcoholic version. It says less than 0.5% by volume. You go to... like You don't notice them at a liquor store, but like there's like a ton of brands have zero alcohol beers now, like Heineken, Bud, and so we're trying to Coors Edge. I don't know who buys these besides, I don't know, maybe like Recovering Alcoholics is probably the only people I can think of, but we'll we'll crack them them and see how they taste. Yeah, let's see.
0: Double brewed for a refreshing taste, and they're twist-offs. I think you have to expect that from a non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. They, Quinn also got one. Well, producer Quinn, you're you're rocking the yeah. you're rocking the Coors Edge tonight. Yeah, it, um, it pairs really well with my uh, UDF coffee that I got here at seven in the morning. That's that. Yeah, that it might is seven a.m. Yeah, it is listener. seven a.m. That's true. That's true. I <laughs> said tonight because it felt like it's tonight, but it's actually seven a.m. Let me get a little sip here. Cheers. I mean, it tastes like a Coors.
1: It actually does taste like a Coors. They did. See, here's
0: the thing, though. Coors tastes like ass. No. Okay, and so if I'm drinking Coors, I'd like to be getting a buzz, not just drinking it for fun. I don't know. I don't I don't mind. Forty one calories, eight carbs, core's edge. Yeah. Dry January just became a lot easier. Mm. All right. Let's get into this. We have to start the podcast with this. You sent me and Quinn this screenshot in uh um our group message last night. Trey Lance on Live Cowherd's Instagram. Mm-hmm. I don't think here's what I'll say it was not shooting his shot. Looked like a follow up conversation. You know, he said in the comment doesn't look like you are in New York City or something along those lines, right? Yeah. You're not in New York City, are you? Do you have the comment in front of you? Uh, I do not actually. Let me, let me, I, let me, I got it. I'll pull it up on the right most recent post. So. I have it right here. Don't lie. You're not in NYC.
1: It was some, I feel like that sounds kind of like a, like
0: a follow up where they had some history.
1: It was some game. It was, it was, he was I, spitting a I little respect game it. at her. It I respect wasn't like the game. a, it wasn't just like the hard eyes emoji or something basic on that on an yeah. Instagram post. It was actually, he was trying to get a response, is what yeah. he was doing.
0: I, I like the play so out of Trey Lance, honestly.
1: And it, I mean, if you would have told me that Justin Herbert would have had the girlfriend he has now back in the draft process, that would have changed my mind a little bit. So Trey Lance making plays like that, he's he's, he's moving up the board. Stock confidence is coming ma- up. Confidence matters at the quarterback position.
0: Absolutely. I think comp- confidence does matter. And when you're shooting your shot with uh, with uh, Liv Cowherd, it's, it's called a power move. All right. The other thing we got to bring up, probably more realistic, is the Nick Casario hire for the Houston Texans. I don't have... A significant opinion on Casario. I think it's very difficult to have opinion on GM candidates without knowing them personally or knowing the decisions they've made. That's the thing.
1: Like, everyone's, like, from the outside – Gonna criticize? Oh, you know, Patriots guys haven't worked out at other places. You have no fucking clue what this guy's done. Yeah, exactly. Inside the Patriots organization, you just—it's impossible to know. And especially you can the be Patriots.
0: like, oh, he has this background or this background. He went to this school, but like at a certain point, you don't know what the hell this guy's been doing. Yeah. with the Patriots or or the type of person he is and the type whatever he's gonna do.
1: Yeah, this isn't like a coaching hire where you can see the schemes they've ran or even the people they've learned from under coaching wise. You have no clue how he wants to. Run an organization, or it's what? He, maybe they didn't use any of his. Like they drafted like shit the Patriots the past five or six years. Maybe they didn't use any of his takes. Maybe he was super high on guys that they didn't draft. You just don't know unless you're <laughs> inside that building. So if you're gonna, Chris, guys I, just I, banging I never really the table comment. for
0: all these guys yeah. and they're never picking them, and everyone's like Nick Casario seems pretty sick. He was, but I think the, the where you what you can have a take on is the fact that the Houston Texans paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to that search firm, and then they they put, they give them five dudes, five candidates, mm-hmm. and they. At Easterby ends up going for they one of the guys they didn't pick up, wasting that you know hundreds of thousands. Of on
1: one hand, I love that they didn't go with the search firm because these search firms are a joke too. Like they can't know either. There's true, true. It's just checking a box. It's just trying to look good as an owner saying you did all your due diligence on that. So I like that from one perspective that you just went out and got your guys still, even though disregard what the search firm said. But I didn't like it from the fact that it still means Jack Easterby is basically running the show there. <laughs> and we, everyone read the article at this point. I hope, if you haven't, it was it Ty Dunn wrote it about the inner workings of that organization? No, who wrote the article? I don't remember. Okay, well, we should, I should look that up and find out who wrote it. But it was a great article to just talking about how basically he has been running the show from behind the scenes and picking favorites within that organization and is still basically running the show even without Bill O'Brien there.
0: One name I do like in the the GM conversation right now who's getting interviews is Kwezi Adolfo Mensah. And I don't know him personally. I don't know the decisions he's made with the San Francisco 49ers. But what I do know, he was the director of research and development for them for the past five years and is close friends or has worked with and talked to George Tahuri and Eric Eager, our two research and developer are uh, two data scientists here. And they have really, really high praise for his mathematical background. And anytime you see some of those guys going in, it's not so much about the decisions he's going to make in that GM position and the research he's going to continue to do. But if Quezzi does get a GM position, it's about the people he'll surround himself with. Mm-hmm. Adding more guys with mathematical backgrounds that have you know, have invested time in the analytics and understand where the NFL is going from a positional value perspective, how to spend cap resource, all that stuff. I think Quezzi is a name to look for that if your team is interviewing that candidate... He'd be one of my favorites. He's, a, he's not as experienced, but he is an older candidate too. I think he's close to forty years old, so something there to look out for. And I have a take uh, as well. It was
1: Jenny Varentis and Greg Bishop to give credit to where credit is due for that. If you haven't read it, go read that article about Jack. Who Street. wrote uh, what, for what? Uh, uh, On Sports
0: Illustrated. Sports Illustrated. Um, I have a take too. All all these people, all these fans and media like, are you know speculating who's the best coaching candidate for my team or this team, whoever it may be. I also similar to GM. Don't think you can actually know who good coaches are going to be. You can say, I like the schemes they've run. You can say you've liked the plays they've called and, and from the sidelines, see the type of persona they have and hear what players say about them, all that stuff. But being a head coach is completely different than being a coordinator. You have to understand their management style, how they'd act trying to lead a football team. I think not a perfect example, but an example is Freddie kitchen's, made some moves offensively as an offense coordinator, was put in a position to be the head coach yeah. and really, really struggled to manage that football team. Mm. And I think Robert Salah, from what I've known about him, watching him on TV and hearing players talk about him, is probably a fantastic leader. He runs the stairs before every game, but like, I don't know him personally. Similar to like Brian Dable. Love what he's done in, in Buffalo from a play calling perspective, how he's groomed Josh Allen, mm-hmm. but can he manage a full staff of coaches and manage a team? I don't fucking know. Like, I still think that the speculation is like, I really like this guy's offense. I really like this guy's defense or their sideline antics or how they uh, present themselves. But at a certain point, you don't really know how they're going to be as managers because it's a completely different role. Like and as a coordinator. When it was just a disaster.
1: Um, yes. On one hand, I will say that's probably true for 90 ish percent of candidates. But I think everyone knew Kyle Shanahan was going to be a pretty damn good head coach. Like, there are guys that you are like, okay. He's going to be a a – What's your
0: opinion of Sala? Damn good. I think a lot of people think he's going to be a damn good coach.
1: I think he will be as well. I think he runs – like their defense has just exceeded expectations continually over the past – over his tenure there. So I do think there are certain guys that you can tell, uh, and there are certain guys on the opposite end who have maybe had their chances or done things where you're just like, I don't think that's going to work. We'll get to one of those later when we get to the least worst coach of the year.
0: All right. Now, Devontae Smith last night won the Heisman. He did. We had him picked as our Heisman, I believe, or you had him picked and I had him picked as our Heisman. Trash PFF. picked
1: Mac Jones like a... Loser! Like a just <laughs>
0: mark. No, no, not a mark. No. But uh, Devontae Smith wins the Heisman, deservedly so. I mean, he had insane production. I think the highest PFF receiving grade we've ever seen yeah. from a wide receiver at the collegiate digit level.
1: It, it goes back to the spirit of the Heisman Award, and I love it because it had... Since I believe Desmond Howard was the or not, excuse me. Desmond Howard's last wide receiver, Charles Woodson the last non quarterback or running back to win the award. It goes back to the spirit of best player, which was the Heisman. And he was compared to the other wide receivers around college football, besides the guy in his own team who outproduced him in the four games that they were Ooh. together. He was the best wide receiver in college football by far and away, Devontae Smith. It was not close this year. And so I think it goes back to that spirit of the award of he was, compared to his position, so far and away better. And even to, like, seasons we've seen in years past in the wide receiver position that you had to go him. Like Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, similar numbers. Trevor Lawrence probably, just like in terms of on-field performance, week in, week out, would have gotten my nod. But at the wide receiver position, no one held the candle to to Devontae Smith. And that's why I thought... Chase Young should have realistically been in the running last year and was, obviously. But if Joe Burrow didn't exist, I thought it should have gone to Chase Young. I, I think that should be the spirit of the Heisman Award, not just, oh, the quarterback of the best team. All
0: right, before we dive into the awards we listed out here, I have two things to mention. I got feedback on the previous podcast. I'm continuing to talk very, very fast. I'm mm-hmm. going to slow down here. I'm not We're going to slow down on this episode and episodes four two. Someone called me out really, really well. And said, "You can't say for dressing, not no, dressing, okay. not dressing. Everyone hates my outfits. So that's going to be a constant. Um, you can't say Jamar Chase is obviously, and emphasize obviously, the better prospect than Devontae Smith, oh, did you and say be obviously? the guy who preaches you can't be overconfident in your valuation. And I agree with that. Did, I, I did not say obviously? Say, I, did, I think I did okay. say obviously. Yeah, I mean, but with Jamar, I think Jamar Chase, I think Jamar so, Chase yeah. is a better prospect than Devontae Smith, but." You can't be overconfident We're in your evaluation, And there's it. a lot of opportunity for Devontae Smith to be a more productive receiver in the NFL. I tweeted this out yesterday and received some feedback on, no, whatever, whatever. You know, draft evaluation is largely overrated, I think. It, it matters, and you need to be an evaluator, and you need to evaluate talent. But it is in a lot of ways overrated at this point, where it's gone, where players are always the ones that bust. It's never the team's fault. It's never that he wasn't in the right situation or with the right usage. It's always that the player just sucked. And looking at, like, the consensus board last year, how no one had Justin Jefferson over Judy Lamb or Ruggs and Rager and those guys being as high as they were, I do feel like where draft evaluation is right now is overrated. And and for those reasons, it's another reason why you can't be overconfident in your evaluation. And you need to spend more time, I think, spend Um, more time thinking about how you're going to use this player, how you're going to develop this player both on and off the field, rather than thinking, like, who's the best prospect? Let's bring him in.
1: I think a board is overrated, I'll say. The... The ranking of one to a hundred positional in a vacuum, like the outsiders, boards are overrated. I don't think that the evaluation itself is like. I think you have the more important thing is like cutting to the core of who a guy is and actually being able to describe his skill set, so that they don't go to a bad situation. So you're not drafting yeah. a square peg for a round hole, and all of a sudden, four years later, that guy looks really good in a different scheme. I think that's the more important thing is actually understanding who the guy is. And and then us from outsiders, I think that's like the thing I take the most pride in my job is actually being able to tell you what this guy uh, is and what his strengths and weaknesses are, not necessarily exactly how good he'll be. Yeah. Because that is, like you said, determined so much. And, and the perception of them is determined so much by where they go to. And also, it's been one year, these guys. Yeah. I'm not going to write anyone off one way or the other. Uh, obviously, if a guy's very, very good as a rookie, that's mm-hmm. probably who he's going to be. But I'm not going to write it go off just because he's not been that, at that level yet.
0: But I also think it, it, from a content perspective, evaluating talent dominates the conversation in terms of who's the best receiver in this class, who's number two, yeah. who's number three. And it's because that is more fun know. and because fans can flock to that easier than saying, it's you know, debate all of these receivers are very good. And in the right mm. situations, they'd probably be pretty damn good. You know, mm. like, like you can look at Justin Jefferson in the situation he was in and he performed a, a exceeded expectations, broke the rookie receiving yards record, but I don't think he has that same, those, that same production with the Eagles. And in 16 games, the Eagles, I think people are saying, Oh man, he's a bust. I guarantee it. Like I guarantee it, playing with Carson Wentz and how they've used their receivers this year. Oh yeah. I think people will be talking about Justin Jefferson as a bust the same way they're talking about Rager. And I think that in my opinion, Needs to People be more of a part of, of the conversation. conversation. I mean,
1: Rager is one of those where, I think I tweeted the other day, Tua looks bad because Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert look so good. Mm-hmm. If those guys were also playing like shit, no one would be upset about the Tua pick, you know, right now. Yeah, true. No, like, everyone would just be like, okay, you know, give him another year. Like, let's see how he looks next year. It's just because those guys look so good. It's only because Justin Jefferson was the very next pick and looks so good that you think Jalen Rager sucks. No, he, like, he has reasons to be very encouraged about what he did this year he just did hit two of the lowest like Carson Wentz the fifth lowest grade quarterback Jalen Hurts had a lower passing grade than Carson Wentz they just didn't have a lot going for him that year and he had injuries as well like there's I'm not writing a guy off by any means
0: yeah I don't think you know, I mean regardless we've said this multiple times but never write a player off after their us. first season especially yeah. after the COVID season where you know players are battling injuries there's no preseason for these rookies all that stuff. I mean look at what happened to Nelson Aguilar yeah Nelson Aguilar is a star now. leaves leaves <laughs> Philly Derek Carr and his postseason presser said, pay the man. I think he's going to get a pretty decent contract, but I think he's going to test the open market. There's no way he lets you know Las Vegas lowball him on an NCAA, um, you know before he tests the market, in my opinion. I think teams will flock to him on the open market. All right, let's jump into these awards here, starting with Offensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Rookie of the Year. We ranked these here. We had three guys mentioned. I wanted to be different. I think how you have it listed is very good. I wanted to be different and choose some different guys, but go ahead and give me your you three for different. Offensive hit, Rookie of the sir. Year. Uh, my number one.
1: Offense rookie there, Tristan Wirfs. Nice. I think his season compared to expectations at that position was the the single most special season. I just think it was. He he was exceptional, the second-highest graded right tackle in the NFL. Um, I think the 11th-highest graded tackle overall in the NFL. That, as a rookie, is like Justin Jefferson graded higher at his position. But I think rookie wide receivers couldn't hit the ground running and he was in a situation where they really only used two wide receivers in that offense. So one of those two guys like the two guys were going to produce. So I just think Tristan Wirfs in the NFC South against the competition he had to face week in and week out from the edge except for when he faced Atlanta was ridiculously impressive. That's why he's my offensive rookie of the year. And then I went Justin Herbert two Justin Jefferson three.
0: I honestly think that's a very good take about how the Minnesota Vikings only really used two wide receivers in that offense. They stayed away from using a slot receiver there and – I mean, he's going to produce in that offense, so I, I do think that Tristan Wirfs at one mm-hmm. is is you can go to bat for that, and then Justin Herbert too is good. Um, but I have here Justin Jefferson at one here in the second best rookie receiving grade we've ever seen at the position, ninety point five PFF receiving grade. Odell Beckham Jr. in twenty fourteen earned a ninety point six PFF receiving grade, <sighs> literally splitting hairs at that point. They, they, I mean, Justin no, this Jefferson is very
1: scientific, Austin. That's not splitting hairs. That's <laughs> Justin Jefferson, difference.
0: statistically, if you look at purely receiving yards, had the best rookie season we've ever seen in the NFL. But he had the second best, according to PFF, receiving grade since 2006. And then after him, I had Tristan Wirfs and then Justin Herbert. And it's, you know, people are going to look at this as Justin Herbert's slander. Absolutely not. Justin Herbert was the highest graded quarterback in the NFL this year when under pressure. One of the highest graded quarterbacks on third down and one of the highest graded quarterbacks throwing the ball deep. All three of those situations, while impressive very volatile when looking at predicting future quarterback performance justin herbert is and i think sam and steve said this on the nfl podcast and i agree completely justin herbert is going to regress a little bit in those areas in in those areas that's key mm-hmm. and on third downs uh, on under pressure all of those things where he's going to get better and where he showed signs of life is from a clean pocket and um accuracy is going to get better for Justin Herbert than what he was this year. That's where he's going to get better, especially as that situation improves, as the coaching staff improves, etc. I think you're going to see a little bit of a drop off and play under pressure and then an increase just in development and a new coaching staff in the clean pocket areas to where Justin Herbert is. And I think you can confidently say this, one of the more impressive young quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. And I think he can be that guy on a rookie contract if the Chargers figure their shit out. From a coaching perspective and injuries perspective, defensively, that's the Could be thing. a legitimate team in the AFC.
1: I am very intrigued to see who they're going to get at court, at head coach. Excuse me, because it's a, it should be a coveted job. Like this should be yes. a job that, with the guy, when you have a guy like that at quarterback, a lot of teams should be beating out of the door for. But the interesting, interesting thing was that should have been the Browns a couple of years ago. They hired Freddie Kitchens, so we'll see what they do.
0: You don't know who they are. Until they step into that management role and they have to have those well the the, the scene that always comes to mind for me is uh, in Howard Knox when Hugh Jackson was sitting at the table and talking to all those guys. You so pretend Hugh Jackson was the best play caller we've ever seen. You have a management style like that. I don't care if you're calling plays that score yeah. twenty, you know, you get twenty yards of play. Like if you're managing people like how Hugh Jackson did, you're not going to have buy-in from your coaches, you're not gonna have buy-in from your players. I think, you know who tweeted this? Todd and Haley I was like, agree.
1: Todd Haley was
0: basically like, running
1: the show. He was, he yeah. was sunning him well, in, I mean, that, it, in that room. He was like taking over.
0: It, it, it's it's bad. bad. You can't have that. I think um, all 22 or bets tweeted this, and I couldn't agree more, is that every good coach in the NFL, regardless of scheme, wherever, has buy-in. And if you don't have buy-in from the coaches and the players, because whether you're not a good cultural fit, you don't present yourselves well, you sound like an idiot, like maybe Hugh Jackson did a couple times, then I think you're going to really struggle. And I think you can't determine, based off some of these guys' play calling on the sidelines, which guys are going to really bring get buy-in from their players and coaches. And the first way to do it, the first way to do it is win a ton of football games. But that not helps. every time can you do that with a, well, with the roster you have, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The other way you do it is establishing a culture and establishing respect with your coaches and players. So, It'll be interesting to see um, who does step into that Charger situation. I've been very vocal about wa- wanting them to get Brian Dable. Like Brian Dable makes a ton of sense there to groom Justin Herbert. Another person said he should go to Jacksonville and groom Trevor Lawrence. I like that too. But what he did with Josh Allen this year, I think is very – Josh Allen and Justin Herbert have very similar skill sets in my opinion. I think him going to Buffalo would be an encouraging thing. I want Urban in Jacksonville. Urban will be fun in Jacksonville as well. All right, defensive rookie of the year. Give me your guys. My guys, number
1: one, this one, obvious. Chase Young, 40 pressures, 24 run stops. He was it's just easily the best rookie. Number two, I'm going to go Jeremy Chin to play as well as he did in a kind of hybrid, versatile role. Was impressive. 30 stops in the season. And then number three, Legereus Sneed, the biggest kind of one of the biggest dark horses in this rookie class in terms of where he came from a fourth round pick played safety last year at la tech 53.4 passer rating allowed as a rookie he was the best rookie corner i'm going to give honorable mention though to cam curl for the washington football team as well he was he was damn good i think the reason he's not getting jeremy chin esque hype is because one he's not nearly as athletic and two he was a seventh round pick but I, that's your starting safety going forward. Like you're, that's a quality starting safety from what we saw from him this year. And he was, he was no slouch himself last year at Arkansas. He was very good, graded out really well, and has a lot of prototypical safety traits in terms of his size and his length. So I'm a fan of him.
0: Yeah, I I actually picked Cameron Curl ahead of Jeremy Chin on my list. I went um, oh. Chase Young as defensive rookie of the year, same as you. I think that's obvious. Highest graded player, highest graded rookie on the defense side of the ball, and it wasn't even close. Then I went LeJaria Sneed, and then Cameron Curl is number three, and here's why. Cameron Curl only played 763 defensive snaps this year, Jeremy Chin at 967. Jeremy Chin missed 19 tackles, Cameron Curl missed 16, and and Cameron Curl beat him out in defensive stops and interceptions total, ended up grading better than Jeremy Chin. I I think the missed tackles are going to drag down Jeremy Chin's grade. Not unfairly. Missed tackles matter, but he was – he was everywhere for that defense, yeah. like you said. And I think both those players are very, very good. I think again, it's in a situation where you're splitting hairs between Cameron Curl and Jeremy Chin. I'm going to go with the guy that has graded better, finished with more defensive stops, despite playing with few, uh, fewer defensive snaps. Um, um, with it, he is their starting safety. He is their starting safety, good. and I agree with it. He also had a really nice interception against the Philadelphia Eagles. I thought, you know, playing he was playing outside corner there. I, I think Cameron Curl um, I was is legit, that. and I think he, fell he in just the draft process for Zach
1: Ertz. That so he just. Stuffed at the line of scrimmage. What would you say? It was Zach Ertz, right? That he just yeah. stuffed at the line of scrimmage and then picked it off. Like that's that's what you need from safety. Like if a safety can do that, you're you're that's a W in today's NFL.
0: Is Zach Ertz overrated or is he properly rated at this point? This might have been his last season in Philadelphia, right? And now yeah. he's going to be mean, a free he's agent. He's just not
1: close to everyone. Wanted to put him in the tier with Kelsey and Kittle. He's not.
0: He's just not the not, athlete,
1: right? Yeah.
0: He's closer to Jason Witten's than Witten than he is yeah, to he's Travis Kelsey. More and, prime Witten, which is still not. Not not Witten currently, not Booth Witten, but Prime Witten. He's closer to Prime Witten. Witten's not in the booth,
1: though. Witten played this year, and it was not good. No, no. Jason Witten looks terrible this He could year. be in our
0: LVP conversation. But, Mike, you can't quantify the presence and the character he brought to the locker room. You can't. He has can't. buy-in. He has buy-in. Exactly. So, I don't know what your problem is. He was is.
1: probably selling literally a little... Uh, ML, MLM products in that locker room. What the hell is, is an MLM product? Yeah. Multi level marketing?
0: Oh, like a pyramid scheme? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think That's I how much I buy-in ever, I've he never had. heard of MLM. Yeah. All right. Um, let's jump now to the MVP of the league. This one should be quick. I think this one's obvious. I think there's a conversation to be had about Patrick Mahomes. I think there is a conversation to be had. I think uh, either Kevin Cole or Timo Risque, uh wrote about how Patrick Mahomes has still been the best player in the NFL. But I think. If you had to give the award to someone, I think Aaron Rodgers does make the most sense.
1: Yes. Okay, so I I wanted to have this conversation. So in baseball, there's a stat card called war, and there's a stat called WPA, which is win percentage added. I think Aaron Rodgers had the most war, which I think would be value, like in terms of just... Value added over the course of the season, but a lot of those came in just blowouts where they were up by like 30 in the third quarter and he was just trouncing teams. Like he added the most value in some games like that and then they lost some close ones. Patrick Mahomes had the highest win percentage added because he was at when crunch time in a lot of close games, he played extremely well. That's why they went 14-1 when he was a starter. Like he won more games. But I think in terms of just total value added, if that's the spirit of the award, I think Rodgers added more value. So I'm going to give him
0: He's also going to win it. I think Bavada and different betting uh, places have him as like the obvious favorite, almost where he can't lose. So Aaron Rodgers, congratulations early on your MVP award and hopefully Super Bowl. Devontae Adams was on the Chris Collinsworth podcast, um, the Chris Collinsworth podcast with Richard Sherman. He talked about trying to win a Super Bowl this year. He talked about in detail too, route running and going against guys like Richard Sherman. It's a very good episode. I would definitely tune into the Chris Collinsworth podcast, but also David Bakhtiari talked about the injury. He said, you know, David Bakhtiari is this big jokester. And, you know, he goes down, and it's, like, just a weird step in practice. everyone thinks he's joking. Like, oh, man. Because he's like, David Bakhtiari is the type of guy who takes it too far yeah. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and then he wasn't joking, and it was brutal. Oh, but uh, he said, you know, Devontae Adams asked Bakhtiari, like, is there anything I could do? And he's like, win a Super Bowl, dude. You got you win a Super Bowl for me. So some heartfelt a stuff Super on the Bowl 2 one for for draft pod today. But David Bakhtiari, literally Gonna make him cry. the best pass-protecting offensive tackle in the NFL. Yeah. Goes down for the Green Bay Packers. It's going to be interesting how they mitigate that. I think it's going to be Rodgers. I wish we could have had
1: grades on Bakhtiari. He was before our time, obviously, at PFF. But just to see how he would have done. Where'd he go to school? Colorado. Fourth rounder. Super undersized coming out. I think he was like 295. Obviously, completely remade his body once he got to the NFL. Now he's one of the best pass protectors. I just wanted to see, like, was he good in college still? Like, why did he follow the fourth round? That's But also, Dave
0: Bakhtiari, I've heard, is a big Settlers of Catan guy. Ooh, he, he's like, so the, he's the set master in the Green Bay Packers locker room. I, I'd be interested to play him in Catan as well. If you don't play Settlers of Catan, by the way, it sounds like a nerdy ass game. I will stand by this. It is. It nerdy. is a nerdy <laughs> ass game. Okay. It is a nerdy ass game, our but I don't like board games because all board games you play outside of like maybe risk and maybe chess. Are so predicated luck. on probabilities and luck. Yeah, like Monopoly is a joke. If you play that for fun, you should oh, be five yeah. or younger. Same with Sorry. Same with any of those dumbass games. Trouble, like you're just like really rolling a dice and seeing who wins. Catan is Tre- so much Tre- more based on strategy trick. and all that stuff, to where you could actually play and have a good time. Risk is based on strategy, to some. No, point. risk is a good one too. But yeah, um, all right, offensive player of the year. We made sure that these were non-quarterbacks. Sometimes this goes to the quarterback as well that wins MVP, but we made non-quarterbacks for this decision. Who'd you have?
1: What, oh, Derrick Henry? again if you compare Derek K, Henry
0: DH2K
1: to the rest of his position 500 or 470 more yards than anyone else rushing the football this year and then there was like 800 more yards than number three 2,000 yards and I was kind of like they were kind of pumping him up at the end of the year to get him that 2,000 yards but still they, they pumped him up every week like they, he was right they rode him to the ground even when they were down by like 15 in the fourth quarter they're still giving him handoffs. so yeah Derek Henry
0: your mom's ridden me to the ground a couple of times, but no, DH2K doesn't have as good of a nickname than CJ2K, but it was a really impressive performance this year. And, you know, they were stacking the box against this guy and you just couldn't stop him. I mean, he has, you know, some of the, I think he finishes the highest graded running back in the NFL as well, um, right ahead of Jonathan Taylor towards late in the season, which is cool. But I do think Derrick Henry, I like that for offensive player of the year. I went Travis Kelsey, the second highest graded player in the NFL this year. He was leading the NFL in receiving yards. For a little bit. I think yeah. towards the end, he got passed up by some actual Stephon wide Diggs. receivers, Stephon Diggs. But he was incredible this year. I think everyone in Kansas City looks at Patrick Holmes, and then, and then Andy Reid, and then maybe Tyreek Hill, and then they remember that Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL. And I think I'm not sure why he wasn't more in the conversation. Maybe he was, and I just wasn't listening. But I think Travis Kelsey, Offensive Player of the Year, absolutely. He has been outstanding this season. Did you hear this stat? This is going to blow your mind if you haven't heard this. Okay. Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey are the same age. Holy oh, shit. <laughs> I did not They're know. only separated by a few months. I did not know that. that, that and Travis Kelsey is that. putting it in. Yeah. Playing they out of his look. mind. And Rob Gronkowski has played well as well the, late in the season. But like Travis Kelsey still looks like prime time Travis Kelsey and is at the same age as Rob Gronkowski. I found that stat. I mean, it's not a stat. I mean, fucking freaking fact. It blew my mind. All right,
1: here's some trivia that will probably also blow your mind. You know who is third? So... Travis Kelsey led all tight ends with 1,460 yards. Do you know who was third and how many yards they had in receiving yards at tight end?
0: Mm, I think Darren Waller was probably second. Yeah, Darren Waller was definitely second. 1,196. So he was close. Give me a second here. Oh, it's Logan Thomas with like 690? Nope. Who was it? TJ Hawkinson. Really? Third among
1: tight ends. 723, though. So almost <laughs> half as many yards as That's Travis absurd. Kelsey. And fourth was actually Mike Ezekiel, seven hundred three, less than half as many yards.
0: So Logan Thomas isn't up there. Where is he? Five? I six? mean, he was
1: seven, six hundred seven. seventy,
0: but he had a ton of targets. I mean, he had over a hundred targets this year, which is absolutely targets. absurd.
1: Um, all right, defensive player of the year, your choice. Defensive player of the year is Aaron Donald. It's just it's Aaron Donald. He's it's, it's been player.
0: Aaron Donald for a few years now, and yeah. it's Aaron Donald again. He's the highest graded defensive player in the NFL, right ahead of Khalil Mack. He's not going to win though. If you're, if you're placing bets on Defensive Player of the Year, I guarantee you he's not going to win. It's going to go to a guy with better box score production. TJ Watt, Xavier Howard are two names that come to mind.
1: Yeah, I will, I will say, I think Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, Jair Alexander all had awesome seasons at the insane. corner position and should deserve, I would love to give them some recognition, but as long as Aaron Donald exists, man, he's just, he is a, every single game, every single play changes what you have to do. No one else. No one I else. I also picked
0: Aaron Donald as well for Defensive Player of the Year. But if you're looking to see who's going to actually win, I do think Xavier Howard or TJ Watt is probably going to be the guys, right? I bet TJ Watt. But yeah. Yeah, TJ Watt's probably going to be the guy. But I think Jalen Ramsey, too, you tweeted out that stat that blew up kind of. I think, what, over 10,000 likes. Hello. Flex on him. 14,000 for- <laughs>
1: at this point.
0: <laughs> um, did, allowed 20 yards per game. Yeah. He also led the NFL in yards allowed per coverage snap, which I think is very. It's not stable. Coverage, coverage play is not very stable, but I think very representative of how a cornerback is playing because yeah. it also is factoring in plays where they're not targeted and all those things. So I do think that he has been really, really impressive this year. All right, Coach of the Year, your pick for Coach of the Year.
1: It's going to be Kevin Savansky, but I push back on that because this is what everyone thought they'd look like last year. Like Everyone thought that was this team. Like, that was expectations for them. And yeah, he did a lot of good things. Like, he, he's very good. I'm not going to really blow back against any Kevin Spansky. But Andy Reid, they went 14-1 in a loaded AFC against a lot of good teams. One loss, obviously, to the Raiders. And he did, like, a lot of the sort of, quote-unquote, analytics things that you love to see in terms of early down passing, going it on 4th down when you should. Andy Reid was doing. Like, they... He knocked it out the park, and they were the best team in the NFL. Yeah, you have Patrick Mahomes, but this isn't as is far from a complete roster. They were decimated by injuries along their offensive line and still ran the table in the AFC. I think it's Andy Reid.
0: I like Andy Reid. He's just not he going to get win love because, because that was expectations. But. Yeah, yeah. He won't win because the expectations were that Andy Reid was going to win, but I do like Was him. that Yeah, Like he or just was is be so great, good. Yeah. Everyone knows he's uh, so good. Yeah. I think Kevin Stefanski ends up pulling it down. I, I, if Brian Flores didn't lay an egg in Week 17, I think he wins it. I mean, what True. he had to overcome in Miami, yeah. front office pushing him to start Tua Loa after the bye, even though I, you, could, you could tell that he wanted to keep Ryan Fitzpatrick in. And he did in subsequent games, benching Tua to bring Fitzpatrick in to win some football games down the stretch. What he did and what he did with that defense, they don't have a single pass rusher that is outperforming, you know, that is playing at a starter level. You know, Andrew yeah. Van Ginkle, I think, is their best pass rusher. And even he doesn't have a top 10, top 20 pass rush win rate, but still managed to create pressure and win on defense. I think Brian Flores, if he didn't lay that egg, or the Miami Dolphins, rather, didn't lay that egg in Week 17, he'd be the guy over Stefanski. My pick, though, is freaking Ron Rivera. Talk about overcoming literal cancer and overcome literal cancer and a somewhat cancerous culture in Washington with Dwayne Haskins really, really struggling make on and off the field. Really, analogy. really struggling. Really? Overcoming
1: cancer and a cancerous.
0: Yeah, that was not that was great. <laughs> I, regardless, off the field, Ron Rivera has been an absolute stud. And then in that organization, they literally changed their name this offseason. Yeah. Overcame <laughs>
1: the, the name change.
0: Overcame the name change. Dan Snyder has sexual assault allegations. Dwayne Haskins is partying with strippers maskless. Like he has gone through everything and then some is in the postseason. Alex Smith is starting for them. They're with, seven to nine. Though. They're seven to nine. I get it. Okay. Well, they shouldn't be seven to nine. They 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 were one of the favorites to finish with the they most losses in the NFL. The
1: Eagles should have tried in week seventeen, is that your take? No, I'm not Okay, they should, yeah, I know
0: everyone picked him to be way worse. Yes. They picked him to be way worse. He overcame cancer, he overcame a ton of ass, you know, a ton of bad things in Washington. I think Ron Rivera <laughs> is way well deserving. Didn't overcome a ton of ass. No. <laughs> but I think Ron Rivera is well deserving of um that. I mean, they have a top five defense in the NFL, I believe. in EPA per play allowed. Yeah. I
1: mean, yeah, he did. He made magic with that defense. He's a very good defensive mind. For I mean, sure. Starting, so, I, I'm not gonna like. He would, had. A, he did a very good job. They went seven and nine. It's it all the same. Yeah, but, yeah.
0: Whatever, man. Whatever. You try go. You try doing better than seven and nine with the Washington football team. I'm not go to the year. I'm not forced, trying to be. When you're to the forced year. to start Dwayne Haskins to start the season, and then Alex Smith, and then Alex Smith gets hurt, they start who? Kyle Allen. Taylor, Taylor Heineke played football for this team, and they're in the playoffs. That. Again, yeah. it's feet that he's overcome Four feats that no played. man should ever have to. Yeah. But uh let's go ahead and give me your pick for exec of the year.
1: This one I don't th- like I don't think there's much of a conversation here. I think Brandon Bean, the job he did in the AFC and everyone focuses, I feel like the draft gets glorified for in terms of like how performance evaluating a GM what he's done in free agency. Has been better than anyone else in the NFL in terms of what they've done in free agency. He completely revamped their offensive line in free agency, their receiving core and free agency and trades, and their defense from kind of the start of his tenure. He has like revamped it. A lot of their biggest impact players he got from other teams and didn't have to pay that much to get them. That to me is impressive because everyone could have signed those guys anyone could have had Jordan Poyer Micah Hyatt at safety anyone could have gone out and got Cole Beasley and realized that he's one of the best slot receivers in the NFL gotten John Brown Brandon Bean got them and they're playing exceptionally well for him I I think he deserves it
0: absolutely he's my pick as well I mean he signed made Mitch Morse I think the highest paid center in the NFL that year was what Mm -hmm. it was I think he's been passed up by then but he's the starting center added John Feliciano who's a backup in Oakland at the time and has now contributed as a starter for that team, Cole Beasley, and in subsequent years added Stefan Diggs. John Brown, too, but Brown was hurt, sure. But yeah. I mean, he's been really, really impressive with decisions he's made. And when you hit on that many decisions, including obviously Josh Allen, I mean, that's that's well deserving of Executive of the Year. I also, you've said this before, I think, that it should be like a three year award, right? Where you look at, you know, it should be yeah. like maybe there should be an exec of the, the three years. <laughs> Is yes. that a thing? That's
1: what it should be to evaluate, not just like, oh, you're, oh, why is his name blank? And I mean, The Colts GM who drafted Andrew Luck. Ballard. No. Oh. Gregson. You're Ryan Gregson. You drafted Andrew Luck. Here's your award. Yeah. Everyone drafts Andrew Luck. Like, <laughs> th- you take. make obvious decisions where you go out and spend a zillion dollars one, one offseason to improve your team. Of course you're going to be better that year. But can't, is that sustainable? Like what Brandon Bean's done, is that sustainable over a number of years? I think we've seen that it has been from him.
0: All right, let's jump to now our kind of joke awards, but kind of the opposite end of the spectrum awards. I think these will be fun. Try not to be too damaging on these guys, but yes. your least valuable player this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, we touched on Marine, it's Dwayne Haskins. And the reason why when I was at the beginning of this year, when he was benched, I was like, why are you, are you benching him? It's because he was not that bad last year. Like he, he was not disastrously unplayably bad and through like a couple weeks really wasn't either this year but then it I think you saw when he had to come back that he was just not like there was not only not improvement he was worse this year than he was in 2019 just no re no positive reasons whatsoever something like obviously was not putting in the work off the field is why he got benched in the first place and deservedly cut like he was atrocious at the quarterback position this year 47.5 overall grade more picks than touchdowns in a year where everyone is lighting up scoreboards
0: lowest graded passers on non-play action passes this year were drew lock mitch trubisky sam Darnold, nick mullins and last place was dwayne haskins and i do think that I agree with you. I have him as my least valuable player, but I think it's more than that. I do think it's the off the field because when he was benched at first, I thought bad cultural value too, (laughs) you know, because when he was benched originally, he was not benched to second string. He was benched to third string, which I think was important and for reasons that we found out down the road. But you you saw reports after that. Some of it was because he was bragging in the locker room about throwing for over 300 yards in a game. And then you see that he's not, and then there was another report that came out that said he's not looking, you know, he's not studying enough and not looking at, you know, not studying film enough or whatever it may be. Imagine bragging in the locker room about throwing for 300 yards. So, and some of that has been reported and some of that is just like kind of sprinkled rumors, whatever it may be. But regardless, I think we've seen more than enough to see that he's made bad decisions off the field. What those were, we know some of them, maskless stripper party, whatever that was. But then others, I think we're just not putting football first or at least a high second behind your family and friends. Not strippers. The strippers were second, actually. <laughs> I think the strippers might have been second. But regardless, least valuable player. And I think again, I hate to freaking dog on a guy as young as Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, I think, is in a good position to reset. You got, yeah. you know, you talk. People talk about hitting rock bottom and then being able to bounce back. Like hey, it doesn't get lower than this. You got to bounce back. I think this is a. It's not rock bottom. I mean, the dude's made hundreds of thousands of dollars in his NFL career. Yeah. But I do think this is an opportunity for him to reset. As that cut player to try and come back and prove that he can come back into the NFL and play.
1: I was gonna say they did him a favor by cutting him. That is probably the best thing that could happen for him at that point. If they just let him hang on and keep going about his business and like I said, as being the third string quarterback, I don't think much would change. But now either to change, or else he's not gonna have a job in the NFL. So it's
0: gonna it's gonna be a tough road to re- you know come back into the NFL, but it's it's one that he he has to do. He has to reset. <clears throat> all right, uh, worst offensive player this year.
1: You doing all right over there? Take a sip of your Coors Edge. <coughs> I'm back. That sounded awful, by the way. It's not good. That was... Okay. Uh, We're... Oh, c- call it the off- worst offensive player of the year. I will go with staying on the Washington football team.
0: Oh, man. Maybe, maybe Ron See, Rivera again, was this is why Ron Rivera
1: is... But like no, this is why year. he probably shouldn't be because he gave Peyton Barber 94 carries instead of giving those to Antonio Gibson. Now, some of those are obviously when Antonio Gibson was hurt. But on 94 carries, he averaged 2.7 yards per carry, only broke seven tackles. If you had given Peyton Barber, Derrick Henry's workload, 378 carries, he still would not have broken as many tackles as Antonio Gibson, who only had 170 carries. That's awesome. Gibson, 37 broken tackles in the year 170 carries. That's not good.
0: I also picked a running back for worst offensive player of the year, and uh, it's Todd Gurley. The second lowest graded running back among all running backs for at least 100 carries this year, just ahead of Benny Snell of the Pittsburgh Steelers, averaged under you know point I think 0.17 force missed tackles per touch, only three point five yards per carry. Really struggled to be that home run hitter for that team. Like they were better mm-hmm. handing the ball off to other players in that backfield, specifically Brian, who's the Wyoming, former Wyoming back they have there. Fuck, I'm, I'm missing it. Brian, Brian Hill. Hill, Brian Hill, former Bengal great, former <laughs> Bengal great. I do think Brian Hill, I, I, um, was the better back. Obviously, Todd Gurley, worst offensive player this year, um, in, in my opinion, I think, um, that's who I'll stick with.
1: I'd say he's like washed up, but this is what he looked like in 2016, also. So I don't know.
0: Wow, bold take.
1: I mean, he did. That's like he averaged three point two He averaged, He had a worse year that year. Three point two yards for carry back. Everyone getting said fed. Jeff Fisher, but like, I do think he's. There are some things about the position. Like I, I, just, I never thought even when things were going great. I think it was because of that offensive line he had never had a running grade above 80 for us I don't know
0: yep. I mean we've always been like on the opposite so, exactly. end of the girly hype you know yeah. I mean coming out of college I really liked him he was he was awesome at Georgia but still he's like very quickly declined some of that is because of the injuries and in his knees mm-hmm. but like very quickly lost that speed like you've seen him try and get to the outside in the NFL right now it is it is hard to watch yeah with Todd Gurley I mean we had this conversation recently like there's so many good running backs in the NFL. It's why the position is largely replaceable. But if you had to pick a guy that starts for a team that was the worst running back in the NFL, I'd be hard pressed to find a better name than Todd Gurley. Maybe Frank Gore. Maybe I you picked Definitely Frank Gore? Frank Gore. Definitely Frank Gore? <laughs> yeah. <I think> <laughs> but either way. But Frank Gore, you you can't you can't put a price tag on the the freaking leadership he brings to the locker. He has buy in. He has buy in. God damn it, Mike. All right, worst defensive player this year. Biggest liability, I think, is a good way to talk about it.
1: All right, I'm going to go with Lions linebacker, Jelani Tavai. And if you followed any of our draft coverage that year, not the most surprising pick here. He, for a full season, only had 17 defensive stops. we talking about Cam Curl having 37, Jeremy Chin having 30. Those are safeties. This guy plays closer to the ball, should theoretically have more stops. 17 defensive stops. A Passer rating of 140 allowed in his coverage, didn't have a, didn't touch a single football all season long. In terms no of picks, pick no picks, pass breakup, and had a 32.1 overall grade. So
0: tough scene for July to buy this year. Second round pick. Yeah, my pick is Jonathan Abram, the lowest graded safety in the NFL. Plays the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, a ton of missed tackles, a ton of blown coverages, a ton of explosive plays. Explosive plays allowed in coverage. I think he's going to get better. He has to. But I think the, the issue with Jonathan Abram right now is he freelances too much and team plays team. too aggressive for, for a second-year player. And he didn't even play most of last season. He was injured. Yep. So he's very raw, very green in the NFL. But I think making decisions, like he is Charles Woodson, with the number he wears in Las Vegas. Like he's making decisions, like very veteran savvy decisions where like you wouldn't want to freelance and take those risks unless you're really confident in the decisions you're making. Like they were playing, what, Tampa 2 on – uh,
1: oh yeah, it's the Broncos. Yeah, uh, Jared. he he lets so he's supposed to be the seam runner. He's supposed to be like that whole the middle linebacker role in Tampa 2 where he runs down the middle of the field and lets a post go by him, and then lets a dig go by him, and is sitting at the sticks. He ends like up going further the than the
0: underneath coverage players, the underneath zones. Like he yeah. gets closer to the line of scrimmage than the guys playing. It's closer to the line of scrimmage, and that again is just freelancing too much.
1: I like how you put it like he plays like he's supposed to be this instinctive player, but actually doesn't have instinct. You know, like he, well, he's, he aggressive. Played, he's, he's taking like these chances where it's he's not actually has no clue what he's looking at that he's seeing, like he's getting
0: fooled. He's like, aggressive and he's confident, and you do need that in a safety, but if you're aggressive uh, and confident. And just swinging at balls in the dirt. You yeah. know what I mean? He hasn't seen
1: a curveball that he didn't want to just knock out <laughs> Did the He wants to rip
0: play. every curve thrown his way, yeah. and they're throwing curves at him. And they're picking yeah. on him. It's going to get better for Jonathan Abram. I think it needs to get better for Jonathan Abram. But when you're playing safety, you can't take the risks he's taking and freelance off as he does if you want to grade well and not give up big plays. I would just put him at linebacker at this point. That's not a bad take
1: add some beef to him there's no reason for him to play deep like he's just not that kind of playmaker at all and he wasn't coming out of like mississippi state that wasn't his game either, i
0: mean so. the comp was like keanu neal but keanu neal is is a bit more instinctive and takes less risks yeah. and has actually played a lot better for uh i was gonna and say even
1: he football. was at his best when he was playing exclusively box under dan clinton like a
0: yeah. three. i think you should see some more box see some more box uh jonathan abram all right coach opposite of coach of the year so worst coach this season go ahead
1: adam case I mean, he gave, okay, one, he gave Adam, Frank Gore 187 carries. Oh, my God, that number's insane. 36-year-old Frank Gore, more than Antonio Gibson got this year. And <laughs> he gave him 21 carries in a game they lost 31-13, to 13, which I don't know how that's possible in this day and age to, I don't know. It's just that right there, they could have won like five games after that. That wrapped up this award from my opinion
0: 187 carries is absolutely absurd for frank Gore. like they made him a legitimate bell cow yeah and they were losing most football games like in the first quarter
1: yes like they should have been the past happiest team in the nfl because they were down in every game but they were the run heaviest
0: my pick and the reason i didn't go adam case is because the expectations for the jets were low low Low, you know what i mean i think another coach in there probably gets them better but i don't think too much better Matt Patricia, there were people talking about Matt Stafford coming back healthy and getting them into the postseason. The worst defense in the NFL this year, EPA per play, Detroit Lions. And I know he was fired, and some of that's on the, the next coach coming in. But at a certain point, there weren't, wasn't enough instilled in that Detroit Lions team for that defense to even be a top 15, top 20 unit. Mm-hmm. And Matt Patricia really underwhelmed there, being a defensive-minded coach. You know what he didn't have? Quinn? Buy in. Oh, buy yeah. Come on, sorry. Damn no, it. I'm I'm asleep at the wheel. I was asleep at the wheel. I <laughs> mean, we've Bye. talked to multiple former Detroit Lions players about mm. Matt Patricia and have heard things where regardless of that we won't get into specifics. They didn't have buy-in. And from a performance yeah, perspective— Yeah, that
1: is a weird thing. No one usually when you're a polarizing coach, like you can have guys will come out and say negative things. That happens all the time. But then you'll have guys come out and defend, say good things. That didn't happen a lot with Matt Patricia.
0: I mean, it was bad. It was bad. There's, you know, there's a lot of reports beyond with the conversations we've had about Matt Patricia and how he didn't have buy-in. But also, purely from a numbers standpoint, that defense was the worst in the NFL this year. And he's supposed to be this guy that could turn that thing around. And he really didn't. Um, Poor look for Matt Patricia. All right. Worst executive of the year. And this one's tough, too, because I really like Bill O'Brien as a coach. But you have to pick Bill O'Brien as the worst exec this season.
1: It has to be. The Tunsil trade two first and a second round pick to make the guy far and away the highest paid left tackle. It just eschews everything we know about pass protection in terms of how how valuable that elite guy is compared to how valuable just you know quality, competent play at left tackle is. There's not two first and a second round pick a difference and $24 million to pay that guy a year. That was absurd. Trading a third for Duke Johnson to never give him any touches was absurd when you can only get a third back for Javon Clowney. Only the second round, only getting a second for DeAndre Hopkins,
0: and David Johnson. You always and forget to bring up David, giving
1: it, getting David Johnson, which like you didn't even need. You had a third for Duke Johnson. Um, all these moves, just just screwing themselves cap wise. A second for Brandon Cooks. Now Brandon Cooks played well, but again, you're giving up a second to pay a guy ten plus million dollars a year. Like you're you're pay, you're just kind of a kid in a candy store buying whatever looks the tastiest to you and not caring about how much it costs. Mm-hmm. That was Bill O'Brien GM.
0: And you can't make those short-sighted, expensive decisions as a GM or executive. Yes. Short-sighted, expensive decisions get you in cap hell. And guess where the Texans are now? Yeah. Absolute cap hell. And, that, and they're in a tough spot. We talked about it on the Monday episode about whoever this GM comes in. I guess it's going to be Nick Casario. Better- the,
1: the, so there's only two guys that the cuts, Texans can cut. And save ten plus million dollars cap space. Who? One's Brandon Cooks, your best receiver this year. One's JJ Watt, your best defense player this year.
0: Oh man, I didn't know that. That's the only
1: two guys they can cut. Now they can save some elsewhere with like five or six million dollar deals, but they'd have to cut like like a bunch of guys to do that. And I bet you I mean I bet you space. a lot
0: of those contracts, how they were put together, like you're still probably taking on some dead money with these cuts here. Oh yeah. Man, it's gonna be an interesting offseason for Nick Casario. He's entering a situation where there's just literally, like, just fire. Burning. There's fire in the building. This He's he's the this-is-fine meme right now, where, like, he's in there trying to put out a ton of flames. I will
1: say, though, so we kind of hated on the GM job there. If you can survive this wave, and if you can just – is obviously probably friends with Easterby. It's going to be a good gig for the next decade after that. It's just going to suck for the next couple of years.
0: Yeah. Well, because you have Deshaun Watson.
1: Yeah, that's, like, that's all you worry about is if if – like the expectations are to immediately bounce back from ownership, or I guess in this case, Jack Easterby, you might be screwed. You might be out of a job in a year. That's what we're worried about when we're ranking those GM jobs. But if that's not the case, if you're best friends with this guy and you're set for the next four or five years, then it's going to be a pretty cushy job after that, I'd say.
0: That's going to do it for the Wednesday episode of Two for One Drafts. The Friday episode, we're actually recording Thursday. It'll come out Thursday night, I believe. The Thursday-Friday episode is going to be a mailbag episode. And to make sure... To make sure your question is guaranteed answered, rate, review, and subscribe to the Two Foreign Drafts podcast and leave a question there. You leave a question on the reviews, I'll guarantee we answer it on that podcast if it shows up on Apple Podcasts by the time we record. If you, you could also ask a question, we're probably going to tweet out some things saying some mail, thing. mailbag, mailbag, get your questions answered about the draft or whoever you want. It could be about non-alcoholic beers. Whatever you need questions answered for, Mike has answers. He's, he's the guy. I can also chip in as well. But uh, that's going to do it for this week. Remember, rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Brennan, 2 for 1 James.